Welcome to Dropping the Ball. I'm Andrew, and with me today is my co-host Luke. How you doing today, Luke? Doing well. Here we are in the middle of May, or coming up on May, middle of middle of April, coming up on May. Where are we? What what is today? I don't I think even we're know. We're in May. Are we in May at this we're point? We're in May. Wow. Co is really taking over my mind, my body, my soul. But we're actually looking like we're on the other side of it. Maybe it's because I'm fully vaccinated now. Maybe I'm a different a different kind of creature altogether. I don't know. Have you gotten any super superpowers yet? I convinced the lady at Krispy Kreme mm. to give me a free donut. I mean, that in many places would be considered a superpower. Yeah, super super uh, superpower diabetes, but still <laughs> quite quite a quite a lucky little moment there for me for sure. Right. Well, we're not here to talk about donuts are or, we or COVID. Could we be? Uh, we could be, but that's not what we're here for, and that's not what our fans are here for. They're here for some sports. And we've got a really fun episode today. We've talked about, you know, we've toyed with this idea of doing something involving this topic, and, and we finally have brought it to, to light. It's the Money Talks episode. Money Talks. And so this episode's about, you know, just the contracts out there. Which sport is the best sport? If you had a child that you really wanted to go pro that had the talent, which sport do they need to end up in to yeah. ultimately make money and allow you to retire at a very young age? <laughs> or at least to allow them to retire at a very young age, hopefully without life-altering injuries and such. But So our, our big thing that we're, that we're going to try to do throughout this episode is be incredibly fair to as many sports as possible. There's still going to definitely be some sports that you're like, hey, well, uh, what about professional, uh, professional pool? You know, Don't they make pretty good money? Well, well <laughs> we're, we're going to stick to the... The most popular sports globally, because most of those are the ones that really have the biggest financial pull in terms of the athletes being able to generate cash. And the big thing that we're going to try to focus on the most is what they're able to do in their active sporting life. Not so much the stuff afterwards. There are some pretty impressive individuals that have gone on, say like Michael Jordan, to have made incredible amount of monies through shoe deals and through uh, different different uh, alternate sources of income. But just from sports earnings, what are they able to generate? Right. And, and one thing to kind of consider that, yes, Michael Jordan has, of course, made a lot of money post his career. But you have to factor in the fact that the endorsements, the sponsorships, that is yeah. part of their salary now. And they have they go through contractual obligations to have to fulfill fulfill this and uh, you know ultimately get this money. Yeah, for sure. I just think that sometimes those kind of things can be a little bit hard to compare and contrast. A lot of that's some guys have big sponsorships, some some guys don't. So that'll definitely come into play and we'll definitely talk about that in the in the cases where it does. But by and large we're gonna be focusing on is the comparable data, which is how much are these guys making based on their actual sports salary and contract through the different organization and league that they're playing in. Yeah, and so I think the best way for us to really go through this, because there are a handful of sports that we want to talk about, and again, these are the sports that you're going to see on a daily basis. They're going to be on the ESPNs, the NBCs, the Foxes, all of those. But CBS, don't forget our favorite CBS right. Paramount Plus now. That's a great option for some Champions League. It is. Champions League is going on, and I'm really excited about that. So you're going to kind of talk about this, or we're going to kind of talk about this in a, in a form of, not necessarily in order, but with in mind kind of the order which we've phrased it and we've put it together is average annual salary for these athletes yeah. doesn't necessarily equate to the most money because right. we'll get to that as well. Yeah, for the individual athlete. And I think that's where you'll see a lot of this go right off the bat is a lot of this is going to start out in terms of overall 
overall earnings for the individual athlete is going to be prioritized in individual sports. So the first sport we want to talk about is tennis. Right. And tennis is that great sport. You just go out and play with your kid. Uh, You know, you hit it back and forth. You're uh, lucky to make three, four volleys successfully uh, as the average tennis player. And make really weird noises the whole time. But when you think about how many professional tennis players are, there's around, I think it's a little over 1,800 actual professional tennis players out there very global as well it is global i mean we've got uh who is it that played at page john isner john isner yes he's a local kid that has made a substantial amount of money and has made a name for himself he participated in the longest ever game i believe at wimbledon actually i took the stadium tour and they bragged about they showed us the court that it took place on and talked about two and a half days or something like that as like a stop and i was like John Isner's from my hometown, and the, the tour guy was like, oh, that's so crazy. Somebody just came through here like a month ago, and they, they were also from there, from that same spot. So Small world. Yeah, yeah uh, a Wimbledon. We've got a, a Wimbledon great, someone that's known globally. And, and it, it happens over and over again in tennis because it's such a, such a global sport. The tour takes place all over the world. There are four major tournaments that we know pretty well in terms of Wimbledon and, and Roland Garros in France and the U.S. and the Australian Opens. And different kinds of surfaces, so I think it's got a big draw. And because of the just the nature of it, when these athletes are getting paid out, you're not getting paid out as a team, which means the money gets split up between you when you win a Grand Slam at Wimbledon. It all goes straight to you. So we have some some pretty in- impressive salaries here. So who's our who's our top earner in tennis? The top earner in tennis is Novak Djokovic. Right. He's been the number one tennis player in the world for quite some time, followed by Federer and Nadal, who've also kind of, they've been the trio that that you've talked about. But in his lifetime, because tennis is a little bit different, you know, from a standpoint, you really have to talk about their total earnings because the the way their careers are structured and it's about tournament wins as compared to you actually are getting paid to do your job on a daily basis in most sports. But He's made $143 million through all of his titles and championships, right. which is a substantial amount of money and, and something to consider throughout this entire conversation. The average American household's only 45000 or so right. in the U.S. Yeah. So when you kind of break it down to if you happen to be one of those 200 to say 2,000 internationally ranked tennis players, you're probably not even hardly making household average the, the male average is actually lower than the, the female, which was something that I thought was pretty impressive considering you have such a wage inequality across all sports and, oh, yeah. and not just sports. Tennis was the one that really had, really broke through on all of that because they did have such global stars you know, with the, the Williams sisters who were also very high up on this list of active top earners. I think they're around fourth and fifth, fifth and sixth, somewhere in through there. And lifetime earnings are well further along. That's just on the annual annual basis they're still in the top earners right and, and I, I would say that generally though what we're seeing is if I wanted to just go out and be like an okay tennis player tennis might not be the one for you because it is a if you're making only 50k a year in terms of maybe, not even you know right yeah because the average is 38 and 40 right and there's so, only 2,000 professionals in the world yeah you got to travel so, all over the world it's not just seven, you know what seven billion people in the world your chances are pretty slim of of really being out there but yeah. kudos it, to those that yeah. can it's it's a it's a big slog but if you can somehow break into that top 200 you're definitely going to be making substantially 
more money than the average individual, I would say. So, you know, I mean... And some other well-known names, they kind of rounded out the top, like, 15, 20 earners. You had Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi, yeah. the, the kind of the old-school players that, that you may have, at least in our age, grown up and loved to watch at the Wimbledon. But Navratilova, Steffi Graf are in that as well. But it's well. one of those sports, just like many others, it's hard to, when you look at this and you look at all-time amount of money, most of the players that you're going to see on any list are current players yeah. just due to the inflation of sports. Current current players and household names, which we're going right. to see a good bit as we go throughout this list. So sticking with that theme then, I guess and the next highest sport in terms of maybe max potential is another individual sport with something like uh, combat sports, be it boxing or, or UFC or those kinds of things. everyone's right? favorite, the WWE. Or even the WWE, which is important to bring in. Out of all of those, that's my favorite. It may be theatrical, but it definitely is an athletic uh, pursuit for sure. So in terms of boxing, right now the average boxer, I don't know the numbers. You know how many boxers there are in the circuit? I mean, the difficult way to, to, to deal with this too is that there are three active boxing title circuits. There's w, WBO, WBO. Uh, WBA, I think, and uh, IFL, I want to say, or IHL, one or the other. So since there's three different organizations, there are a lot of boxers out there. And, and there's about 20,000. Okay, so 20,000 boxers, and the average one making around 51,370 bucks. I'll tell you, I would not really want to get my butt handed to me, either in victory or defeat, by being punched in the face that many times for $51,000 a and year. even then, you still have to be exceptionally talented right. to get to the 20,000 20, yeah, that are pro. The, the Mayweather money is some of the most impressive, it is the most impressive dollar per minute salary in the sporting world, for sure. That man makes incredible amount of money to show up and box. And, all and, by running. Yeah, and all by running from punches, which, you know, maybe he is the smartest boxer ever. So in terms of that kind of money to get the pay-per-view, top billing stuff, that's even more difficult than, say, something like tennis, though the, though the money would be better. The Mayweather-Pacquiao fight yeah. that was largely uneventful in 2015, they each brought home around a million dollars just for that fight because of pay-per-view money. Yeah, yeah, it was all pay-per-view. I mean, there's also guys like Foreman who's made 300 million in his lifetime, but he fought for like 20 years. <laughs> like that's 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 so a again, long difference. time getting punched, he, he fought, you know. He he had so many more matches than Mayweather. Mayweather, you know, sports that perfect 50 and 0. Yeah. But it's incredible just to see again the change in the the dollar in the sport. Sure, I would say for sure the the one that's of the the combat sports with with WWE just to touch on it quickly. We know that they're averaging around five hundred thousand. They are having you know contracts being signed, and you're agreeing to play the script a bit. I don't mean to offend any of our wrestling fans. It's a great theatrical thing. There's nothing wrong with that. And they're able to make pretty good amount of money. The one that's still trying to catch up a bit is the UFC. They, they, they're making great money, but it is still trying to force its way into the market in terms of the top, top level money for sure. But per average, they're probably the best out of, well, I, they're the middle because the WWE does pretty sure. well for themselves apparently. But the UFC, yeah, they, they average close to $140,000 a year. That's Again, really getting punched in the face, and, and that's really getting punched <laughs> in the face. And, and so in that sport, though, it's very similar to tennis. You kind of ultimately have to talk about total amount of money they bring in because it's based on fights. It's not necessarily 
not necessarily a salary type position yeah. that you're working in less than the, the average household income. Yeah. So And th- those are the and, dudes that are laying on the mat already the, knocked out, getting punched in the face. Right. And out of the 20,000 professional fighters, I'm pretty sure a thousand of those are UFC fighters. So yeah. again, back to the tennis, you got to be really good really, and really slightly good. off of your bonkers to to want to do this. Yeah. To, and, and to you know have to... Because success, I think, in the UFC is so rapid, and then the decline is also incredibly Correct. rapid. So it does a lot of turnover. I mean, look at Ronda Rousey's career. I mean, that was not a flash in the pan. I'm not saying that it was, but she was on the, the fast track to, to all-time greatness, and it, it took one, one kick to the head, and it kind of ended it all for her in, in a lot of ways. And now she's going to be able to continue to make money through other avenues, which I think is also a pretty important thing. And then our, our third sport to move on to our next one is once again, another largely individual sport. And that is golf. Yeah. And golf, just to put it in perspective, since we're talking about numbers of, of professional athletes that you're going to see, say at the Valspar last weekend, you're going to have 125 to 150 people depending, but there's tournaments all over the world. You have the, uh, the U S the, the, the U.S. circuit, you have the European circuit, you have some other countries that also have uh, circuits. And so you have professional golfers all over the world. And, and so now we're starting to see, though, the average salary increase a little bit. Yeah. Where pretty substantially for, for a golfer, the average salary for the top golfer, top tier golfer is around 628000 And yeah. so that's quite a bit of money. That's, that's pretty good. And it's also, to be clear about our term for the word pro, since we all probably know or, know or have some friends maybe that might be golf pros working for a club or a course, that's not taking into account that type of golf pro. This is just touring uh, professional golfers that are playing week in, week out on the tour pro. So the, the, the interesting aspects of these are, you know, you've got guys like Tiger Woods who have made career time, $127 million, winning 14 majors and 121 overall wins. Phil Mickelson making 94 and a half or so, winning five majors and 54 overall wins. But you've also got guys like KJ Choi, who's the 30th highest earner, making $34.4 million. Hasn't won a major yet and has only won nine tournaments overall. So for me, if I've got to be a professional athlete and run middle of the pack, I'm thinking maybe it's golf. <laughs> I mean, unless you get into terrible car accidents or freak accidents. Yeah. Trying to go meet your relatively, friend Drew, Drew It's relatively easier mm-hmm. on the body. I mean, yeah. you see a lot of back problems, maybe a few shoulder problems that out there. That might be because of the belly problems. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, you don't more. have to be nearly in a shape for golf as you do pretty much every other sport out there, with the exception of maybe racing. But racing, you have to have incredible endurance. Yeah, right. You and, could, I wouldn't be fat sitting and sweating my butt <laughs> off in a race car. Not at all. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, I have a little one on the way, I think that's going to be a sport that I'm considering, considering the my proximity to some yeah. uh, golf facilities, golf facilities around here. Yeah, so. yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not writing it out of my own life at this point. You know, if all of a sudden I become just like incredibly good at golf, apparently I can. What Lee Westwood's out there like at 55 at the Masters? Or it something? does have one of the longest so, like, shelf lives. Pff, come on, I've still got 20 years. I could become a pro golfer. <laughs> right so so moving on to our next one we just mentioned it a little bit is auto racing we're not going to go super deep into auto racing because auto racing as a field is another one that is just 
you can be a professional auto racer and be in four or five different tiers of it in America, including open wheel and the more traditional stock car or truck racing, drag racing, uh, all of rally car racing. What we're really going to focus on just for the sake of the conversation is NASCAR and MotoGP, the two biggest and most well-known circuits out there. NASCAR, the average salary is 112000 and with MotoGP, we're looking at $2.5 million. But these dudes are in million-dollar cars in MotoGP, so like it's it's a little bit different in terms of the, the, the way that that goes. Their, their salaries are quite a lot higher because they're they're racing for Red Bull, and you know. And well, of course, there's the the winning purse is, is significantly higher. Yeah. I just don't know if an average of a hundred and twelve thousand to be a NASCAR driver is enough for me to put my life on the line. Because at the end of the day, sure, you're putting your life on the line in a lot of fields, especially certain professional sports. We've talked about yeah. it in our yeah. uh, NFL. NFL episode where we talked about the injury risks, but I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our fans were around when Dale Earnhardt was around, and, you know, that's that's an inherent risk every time you get behind that wheel. I just yeah. don't, I like to go fast, but maybe not that fast. Yeah, and and uh, it, it is a lot safer, it is a lot more secure now, but you're still running around the track in a thing with a tank full of gasoline in the back of it. So, uh, not to discourage anybody in this part of the country, We've got a lot of NASCAR drivers from here. It might be in our blood down in North Carolina. But uh, it, it's definitely another one of the interesting choices that definitely could, in terms of average salary, if you can make it into the very top division, uh, what is it, 30, 30 cars in a race or something like that? Something something, a line. little bit more, I believe, than that. But if you can get into that top 30 to 50 guys, you could be making some pretty good money for yourself. Yeah, so now we're going to start getting into a few of a few more sports that people are more familiarized with. It's the ones you really hear about the actual money side of things. The team sports. The, these are the ones where when things went wrong with COVID, you heard a little bit more about the sport behind the scenes perspective that you didn't necessarily need to hear because it may have yeah. tainted a little bit of what you feel about the sport. But Could be. You know, the next one up, though, is, is hockey, the NHL. And so that's kind of the primarily one that we're going to talk about for, for this, this purpose. And so the average salary, you start seeing a significant change because sure. now you're talking big-time TV contracts, billion-dollar owners. And so the money talks a little bit differently because of the structure of it. So an average salary player, you know, anywhere from – one and a half to three and a half million, depending on the year, and so obviously yeah. that changes a, a little bit based on on each yearly's uh, average. But that's that's a significant amount of money. Now, one of the risks you might end up at the end of a game missing a couple teeth because yeah. you tried to eat a puck, but concussions I, and all that. I think I would prefer yeah. that than getting behind the wheel of a significantly faster car than I can handle. Yeah, I mean that I was surprised by 1.5 to 3.5 million for hockey. Sure, it's a, a smaller roster, meaning the money that you are getting is being chopped up into into smaller little parcels, but when we get on into basketball, basketball is about the same size roster and I'll tell you you're in for a surprise. But the I hockey's also really hard. It's really hard. But <laughs> it might be the hardest sport in American in the American sports to be a six foot six dude skating around on ice with a stick trying to find that little puck. That's a tough sport. 
But, you know, it's it's really interesting. If you haven't watched a game of hockey, if you haven't been to a, a hockey match, hockey game, you've got to go. My wife loves sports, and, and we've talked about her and, and the fact that she knows quite a bit about sports. Hockey's one of those that if I'd turn it on, she wouldn't really – want to watch it, but was interested. Well, my boss fortunately came across some tickets and wasn't able to go. This was right before COVID actually hit. And we had, there were pretty good seats at the, the Carolina Hurricanes game. I believe they were playing uh, maybe the Tampa Bay Bolt, I believe, or who Lightning, they were playing. Yeah. The Lightning, yeah, Lightning, yeah, yeah. And so she had never been, obviously, hadn't really actively watched the game. And within the first five minutes, she was like, Dude, we gotta come back. She was like, they can hit people like this. I couldn't believe it. And and so, hockey's a really fun sport to yeah, watch. It's and, a fun sport, and, and it's growing from a, a popularity standpoint in America again because you yeah. know it, it was one of those things that they came back really well with COVID. They had a bubble. They had no true issues. They had they've had a few issues this season, but you know, just like NBA, they had to go through the toughest part of COVID and try to play their regular season. That's hard. And because they're a little bit financially limited, they oftentimes because of the the salaries plus the amount of money that they're pulling in, maybe not exactly having that true blue niche like some of the other more traditional sports in American in the American landscape. Hockey does go through a few more of those issues with lockouts and and uh, collective bargaining agreement issues, but the the that's why their their athletes can make one point five to three point five million, despite the fact that they're not exactly one of the the leading sports in the American right. landscape. And again, that's the average. But when you look at the the big time earners for twenty twenty one, you have Austin Matthews with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's making around sixteen million, or right at sixteen million. Now three of that is is endorsements. And so that's, that's where you see kind of some endorsements kind of coming into play and going into that salary. The next highest is Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers, uh, $15.2 million. Mitch Marner with the Maple Leafs again, another big-time uh, salary and 15 mil for the same team. Canada, Canada, Canada. And then when you look at kind of overall, Wayne Gretzky, the, the, the greatest of all time, yeah. Is the top earner two hundred million? So that's it's interesting to kind of look at that to see when you look at all the other top earners in the sports. This is one where someone who hasn't played in quite some time now is still the leading sure. person. So goats kind of skew the skew the line though a little bit on on those kind of and things, they do right? and they do of <laughs> course. But with other sports, even though someone's considering the greatest. They're not the top earner, and it's because yeah. the money has changed so significantly in yeah. that time. Yeah. Now, granted, they won a lot of championships together. So, sure. and, and with more team team oriented nature, the top earners, like say when we get along to basketball and football, a lot of the biggest earners of the people that should be the biggest earners are now kind of being looked at as not exactly good sportsmen because they you know that if Tom Brady would have taken a massive contract like right. you could have at Tampa Bay, then they would not have won a, a championship. Because you can't then Don't take say that never money. with Tom. Right, don't say never with Tom, but you then can't go out and acquire all these other pieces to put around him because you're being selfish and taking all that money. So speaking of a sport where they are kind of struggling with how to how to chop up the pie a little bit, let's touch on the NFL here. And a, a big surprise, right? I mean, we just saw hockey having 1.5 to 3.5, right? And the NFL is the biggest sport in America. It brings in the most money, but these rosters are huge. 
So when we're talking about the average individual, the average individual is only settling in at about $860,000, and they're only generally playing for around three years, which is the shortest contract average in all of the major sports in the United States. Well, right that's now. that's the career span. Yeah. That's not even the contract. True, because Three they do have some guaranteed years. money in the in Right, the and so yeah. when you think about it, it's not the size plays into it, but also the the turnover. Yeah. You're not going to pay the I hate to say it, but the lower draft round or lower round draft picks and the ones that aren't going to have that long career a ton of money because or the, the practice team left guard Right. You no, know, I mean, and so that significantly weighs. You, and so where you're going to see this is you're going to see a lot of the NFL players. the The quarterback is going to be the player that gets all of the money because yeah. at the end of the day, in NFL, sure, defense wins championships, but without your quarterback, you're nothing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and really without your center. But that's a whole other conversation altogether. <laughs> yeah, but, so you do have to have some form but of offensive the, line. The, the center doesn't get paid, and neither do the rest of the offensive linemen. But the those quarterbacks, they definitely do. So in terms of our our annual salary right now, let's run through the NFL, shall we? So who's leading the leading the day? So. This is one of the this is one of the five in the top five that I believe has earned it, and his is partly off of potential. But Patrick Mahomes, he's yeah. getting forty five million dollars a year, which is an incredible amount of money. But he's already got a championship within his first two seasons, yeah. and he should have had another one last year. And can throw Superman he, style sidearm baseball throws. And he he's an incredible athlete, so he absolutely earned that and it was a 450 million dollar contract and again that is the biggest contract that you've ever seen in the NFL yeah. then moving down the next two it it, yeah. it makes you scratch your head a little bit but it, we've scratched our head with guys like Kirk Cousins remember he used to be the highest paid Correct. guy um uh Matt uh Stafford from the Detroit Lions Stafford was, at least was really yeah, good but he just had a, had a just, terrible yeah, team terrible team great but, uh, great player Dak Prescott got paid Forty million dollars in the off season, and that is just—it's—it's it's incredible because not to knock Dak, I like him. I've had him in fantasy sports, and he's done traditionally pretty well. He's a good quarterback. But he's a good quarterback, and he's not a great quarterback. And it and it shocked me that Jerry Jones folded and gave him exactly what they want, what, uh, what else he wanted. Is he supposed to do, you know. I mean, I want to say that he earned it. 40's low, like. I, it's just incredible to think that they paid him that much money, and he he's barely gotten them to the playoffs. Their collective, they haven't won a, a playoff. But again, game. potential, and, and, another and, potential guy, but no championships, and, and haven't won a playoff. It's game. legally the way that these contracts are structured through their CBA, which is stuff that we'll get into a little bit later. Where you you can't not help but pay him. So then if you don't pay him, the player is going to move off somewhere else. Maybe not get paid the same amount, or maybe get paid that big money. But either way, it's his time to get paid because he's on that contract. So after that, we've got Deshaun Watson, another guy who's paying, getting paid for potential. And might not be getting paid much longer if all of this uh, rape allegations and stuff that, that he's got going on with maybe one too many uh, polite requests for happy endings happy on endings. the massa- massage table there. Maybe not all so you men out there, don't ask. Don't ask. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't even do it. If if she it offers, won't don't bode even well. do it. Because no. because uh, that's that's just not the way to go. If you really need that, there's brothels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, maybe go, go travel around Europe or something. Russell Wilson, number four. So Russell definitely deserves to be in this list, right? 
And it's a shame that he's not higher because he's got what two, three championships, maybe, two, two championships. Maybe he's, he's been, he's team been first. to the Super Bowl, Super yeah. Bowl three or four times. If he's team first, and then that's so, one thing, though. So. Maybe. And then Aaron Rodgers, another kind of controversial quarterback right now because yeah. of his his disdain with Green Bay. But he he rounds out the top five of the biggest salaries for this year and the oldest at guy on this, and a half. The oldest guy on this list, which shows you how much this this money changes uh, within generations of football talent too, right? Where he was definitely the out of that Stafford and and uh, who else did we mention there? Kirk Cousins. He's of he's closer to their age, and he kind of ended out out of all of them still being the best. So in that sense, maybe the same kind of thing will happen with them. I mean, Patrick Mahomes out of these four that we're talking about. No disrespect to Russell Wilson, but is probably the best of the the top four quarterbacks that we were discussing in this in this list of five, and also. Look at the diversity in that list. That's pretty impressive too, right? So good on the NFL. It's been a long and hard-fought problem with the quarterback being the white guy on the team, getting paid the most with the the more talented wide receivers and running backs, and getting paid less, being predominantly African American. So in this list, the it, it's good for it's good for football that we can see some diversity really getting in there and dominating the top of the annual salary list. Absolutely, and and so some of the other bigger contracts that they maybe not have the biggest AAV this year. You have Matt Ryan coming in at 150 million, his contract in uh, Atlanta, and then Khalil Mack, a defensive player. So yeah. we finally found Rare. someone there, 141 million, but his is spread out a little bit, so not as high AAV. But what's interesting again, there's not a position player in the top ten. The first one's the the twelfth player on this list, which is DeAndre Hopkins, and he's a wide on receiver. He's on new money too because he just got that contract when Correct. he moved. So like that's not like he's sitting on a, a contract that's about to. He's not, he's not about to get paid. Well, he might be. I haven't I haven't looked at his specific details. But usually there's a little bit of a delay there in terms of the getting that big money after a move like that. And now one thing that we're noticing though, you got Pat Mahomes, 450 mil that he can't go in the highest growth yet because he hasn't gotten that money but he has a championship now the highest grossing player would be drew Brees. he's the highest all time coming in just shy of 270 million he had a he had a title he had 13 pro bowls and he's officially retired yeah and then moving on you have tom brady you know magic tom 263 he'll surely jump drew Brees at the end of the day dude's got too many championships, too many Pro Bowls and it's just, to not be making this type of money. It's just age. If you've been playing for the length of time that he's playing at the quarterback position, there's no way. And that all the, all three of these first guys that we're talking about, really all five I mean, of all them. of them. You got Big Ben, yeah. you got Eli, and then you got Peyton. Yeah, so, but, but the common thread was they all had at least one. Yeah, they all had one, and that's how you get paid. You're, you're going to, as soon as you win a Super Bowl, now you're a hot commodity and people want to take you from where you are or they want to pay you to stay where you are, and you're the quarterback. So, that's that's kind of an interesting parallel to what we were just talking about in the diversity of that list in comparison to from this previous generation all the way back before. And it's nice to see things starting to change a little bit. But in terms of all the, the top 10 all quarterbacks with Larry Fitzgerald, the first position at 180 uh, million in terms of the skill position players. Right. Uh, but once again, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald was, has been around for ever so uh good on all of them for being able to to break that three-year average by about eight times <laughs> correct so, so so there you go the next one we want to talk about is one of our fans favorites that we've learned that you guys love when we talk about soccer so we're excited about that i know luke definitely is absolutely so soccer now this is more not necessarily only about international uh because we'll we'll get to who's the most ever 
wasn't solely international, but from an international standpoint, is as encompassing of the entire world. The the average soccer player makes quite a bit of money when it when you when you look at the the the, the top tier players. Oh sure, sure. I mean, and a lot of this is going to be tied into TV money. That's where a lot of this money comes from. Uh, clever marketing and 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 a, a good understanding of how to generate cash through jersey sales and stadium uh, seating and and the big thing though is all that TV money. So the average UEFA, so the those playing professional soccer in Europe in one of their many leagues is around 6 to 8 million with the average Premier League player making a good bit lower an average of 3.2 million. Uh, La Liga is averaging around 1.6, but when you're really talking about making it at the top level here, we're seeing guys like Lionel Messi, 126 million. A lot of the the breakdown for him about 92-34 in terms of his actual playing salary versus endorsements. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo being around 117 million euros, 70-40 for him in terms of endorsements. And generally a guy like Neymar who's playing at Paris Saint-Germain making 96 million, 78 and 18. And uh, the big thing is is once again seeing what happens after you finish your playing career because this is where a lot of these players begin to really make serious serious cash. The total number of professional soccer players in the world there's around 115,000. I mean that it's uh, there's a ton. So if you are able to as a young American maybe pull pull a, a kid along and get him pretty high around at 15 be a pretty high level there seems to be a lot of opportunity right now in Europe for you to send your kid over there and have him trained up from about 15 to 20 in the European system. It's the way to go. It's The, the USA has been pushing that very hard uh, in terms of the way that we should be developing our youth and making ourselves more competitive at the international stage where you don't really get paid for playing international soccer for your country. You're playing, You're getting paid by your club. So that would be the way that you would do it in terms of trying to get your kid out there in in that kind of money because MLS is significantly lower and unfortunately uh, the big there's a huge disparity between the women's game and the men's game. We can talk about that maybe at some point in the future in, in, in greater detail. A lot of this is of course a conversation about young young men except for tennis, right? Tennis and golf, good good opportunities there for the young ladies out there trying to trying to make it professionally. Well, I think there's a lawsuit going on right now. Yeah, with the U.S. women, equal pay, trying to get right. more, trying to get more uh, compa- competitive in terms of their side. Let's be real; our U.S. women are way better than the men, and maybe and, not for longer, much longer. But and if you're interested in watching some of the the women's stuff, uh, NBC Sports does play the the women's Premier League on, and Paramount Plus does play the women's Champions League, and it's very high level stuff. But the money's just not quite there yet. So the the big thing being. It's very. That's going to be a very hard lifestyle for a young American. If we're talking about our, our American kids to have to go over to Europe and live for five years without your parents bye, around, bye, Dad. yeah, well, maybe it could be great. See I don't, you in twenty years depends on the parents. But uh, the the big money guys are going to be people like David Beckham, who's grossed three hundred and fifty million. That beautiful, beautiful man. But I mean, ha- he never had to pay for anything because his wife is, is a Spice Girl. So <laughs> Victoria already had all of the expenses taken care of. You know, she didn't need David, and David didn't need her financially. So. And he's he's been giving back to the game. He's invested in the Miami club. He owns the Miami club in the MLS. So if you're looking for an MLS team right now, David Beckham's Miami team looks pretty good. Uh, go maybe follow them. Sorry, I'm I'm holding out till the Charlotte FC. I think I'm going Beckham. 
I can't do it. I can't pull for for Carolina. I just can't do it. Just because they're black and blue like the Panthers, I can't handle it. I figured only because I haven't chosen a North Carolina team because people say that Duke's not. But, I mean, that's the real blue blood. Just because all of their players are from other We've already talked about that, you guys. Yeah. So Okay, so that's that's soccer for you. Pretty hard lifestyle. Lots of players, lots of places to play uh, from South America, Central America, the MLS, and all the rest of the world. So uh, a good opportunity. You could maybe make it anywhere and make decent amount of money let's move into one of our favorite american sports at this point major league baseball and so baseball is a fun one because they have much like we just finished talking about soccer a system similar to soccer especially from the call-ups in the, the the lower leagues but that's a huge huge difference there's been a big big fuss about the equal pay for the the lower leagues the single a double a rookie ball and all of that the average professional that that make it to the big leagues you're looking between three and a half to four and a half million dollars again depending on the year but the minor leagues again are completely different most players there's an average depending on the league from one thousand to three thousand dollars a month if you think about that that is, is that, a, not a lot of money is that playing months or is that 12 months Salary. I'm pretty sure that's playing months. Yeah. That's so, why a lot of minor league players live in a house with five, six other people. They have jobs in the off season and, and while they're still doing their training. But then when you start getting to that true top tier, the, the top 100 players in the draft from both high school and college, they, they end up with a 500000 to $2 million signing bonus. So that's at least... That's kind of the minor league's way of saying, hey, if you're good enough, here's some money to get you to the, through until you've proven your talent to get to the professional level. Sure. And, and like what we've seen, I think, as well, particularly in the the Premier League or the conversations about soccer in general and the conversations about hockey, too, it depends on the market that you're in. And that's going to impact how much money you're able to make in a lot of these team-based sports. Uh, if you're playing in Buffalo and the NFL – you might not be making that much money. If you're playing in Canada, apparently, in the hockey, in, in the NHL, you're making some serious cash in comparison to everybody else. Because that's, that's the Maple Leafs having two of the top right. players. And that's the market. You know, Edmonton? Edmonton can afford to pay the second highest guy? Yeah, I mean, Edmonton can do it because that's the, that's the market. That market is huge for hockey. And it's the same thing that we, we're going to see in baseball and say New York and Boston, Chicago. You're going to be able to make a little bit more than some of those other smaller market teams just because of some other things that we'll be talking about later on in terms of the way that they are allowed to pay their players in baseball specifically. And in baseball, the salaries are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because we'll, we'll kind of come back to this in a little while, but they have just a completely different type of salary structure than the other sports by not even not really having a cap at by all. Not having so one. <laughs> they, they, a team can pay, just like in soccer, a yeah. team can, in theory, pay – as much as they can afford. The one difference that they that soccer has that baseball doesn't is that soccer doesn't get penalized really at all for any yeah, of that. They're supposed to be, does. but they're not exactly. But when you look at this, the total cash for 2021 to players is going to still look a little bit different than the all-time grossing and, and the career-earning players, primarily because they just haven't been in the league long enough. But Francisco Lindor just signed a contract extension with the New York Mets after just being traded. New York. Which they New go. York, which right. were, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I'm always against a contract for a player that just gets traded. Like, maybe you should see him play yeah. at least one game, but whatever. He's a phenomenal player, and he's that's, earned it. That's he's why making, they left the team that they were that they were leaving, though, is to get that money. He's so. got $43.3 in total cash guaranteed to him this year. 
And that's a ton of money. And oh, yeah. just behind him, Trevor Bauer got another ridiculous deal. Los for Angeles. $38 million, Los Angeles. Then Garrett Cole. Oh, guess guess what? Back in New York. New York. At the, just the other side, the Yankees, with Garrett Cole at 36. Los Angeles, again, imagine that. Just the other, the other one, the other side. <laughs> Angels with with Mike Trout, $35.4 million. And I thought the most interesting one on this list was the fifth highest total cash this year. A player that's not even going to touch the field this year because of Tommy John, Justin Verlander, he's be 33 mil. He's going to be touching Kate Upton, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's a lot of money that's yeah. getting put out there, and that's just for one year. That's more money oh, yeah. than you and I will probably see with our whole families put together yeah. combined in a lifetime. Sure. And so, but then when you look at the all-time grossing, you still have some older names on that list, but these they're still, they're still relatively current players. And they, there's a couple on this list that are still current players. Now, they're, they're probably getting close to retirement. You've got Alex Rodriguez, though, the one that, that again, New York. You know, he, he came some, from some pretty big market teams. He ended up making around $450 million in, in grossing. And now, of right. course, that this does encompass a little bit of the endorsement side of sure. things as well. Albert Pujols is on that list. He's a current player. He's at $339 million. And then Miggy Cabrera, also a current player at 321. Then there's a little bit of a drop off to Justin Verlander, 274. And then you have some old guys that we all love, know and love. But again, New York, Derek Jeter, CC Sabathia, Cleveland, New York, and a couple other squads. But 266 and 264, respectively. And these are contracts that are basically done. I mean, you know, Miggy's still running around out there. Well, maybe not running, but he's still out there. This Pujols, is Albert Pujols last year. Pujols, he got a huge. No. He was kind of one of those players that got one of those huge contracts because right. baseball is a little bit different, and and it, you're starting to see a significant kind of shift. But baseball used to pay in stupid money. they they paid stupid money to <laughs> people at the end of their first contract, which generally got a player around twenty seven to. 31 because they'd go through the, all the arbitration years they would go through a small contract with a little bit of money and then by 28 29 they're considered quote unquote their prime and then they get paid for seven eight nine ten years 14 for some <laughs> but that's where the transition that yeah. the contracts are getting longer that's true that's but true. but it's because they're getting people like Ronald Acuna jr now they they got a steal for him he didn't they the Braves paid nothing for him but they got him for like another eight years I believe you had the four 14-year contracts that have been uh, handed out with Machado mm -hmm. and uh, also uh, Mike Trout got yeah. an extension for 10 years. Arenado got it like a nine-year extension. What was Bryce and Harper's? How long was it? Bryce Harper's was 12, yeah, I believe. It was pretty long. So they, they, and they got paid a lot of money, yeah. three, three, four hundred million dollars per year. And batters too, right? We're see That's the big thing that, that we're seeing in a lot of these older ones is it's, it's pretty batter heavy. I don't know how many teams really really want to put a ton of money like that on anything on a over pitcher. anything over five years is pretty out of ordinary yeah. for a pitcher just because the wear and tear on the body is so much significantly yeah. different absolutely now the the other thing to consider with baseball too is is again you're starting to see the contracts change and more money baseball also recognizes that or and baseball prospers more off of players staying and building around as compared to you see the NBA. I mean, look what LeBron's done. He's changed teams. He's found success. 
You didn't see that, of course, with Kobe, with MJ. They kind of built around those. But at the end of the day, the NBA is starting to transition to you bring in players to one team. They stick around for a few years. Whereas Mike Trout, unless he just decides he wants out, he's going to be in L.A. until he's in his early 30s. And so he's not going to get that huge con. Well, I don't know. Mike Trout will probably get a second contract for bigger because dude's batting like 450 right now. But you start seeing those players get longer contracts because they expect those players to stay there because the baseball player, you got nine people on the field, you have to have three or four guys that are going to be around for a while that are going to be significant, and then you add pieces to that. And an interesting rebuttal to the point about the fact that you know pitchers aren't making a ton of money right now is actually if you look at the career earnings right now by current players – and of course, we've got Pujols and Cabrera sitting on top of that list just because of, like we said, that super long contract, which is basically like, I'm not going to retire until this contract is over kind of money. But then the top, the next, the, the, the remaining three out of the top five are all three pitchers with Verlander, Grinky, and, and Kershaw. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Maybe that's uh, got something to do with, with just the sports medicine side of stuff where you can have a pitcher that can stay around and stay healthy. Well, and Verlander also came from a smaller market team. Yeah, he did. Detroit. Yeah, so. he was he was there in Detroit. But, but I mean, Detroit apparently throws paid stupid him. money because <laughs> Miggy's on this. So, so it, it, it's, uh, it's uh, maybe none of those guys are Tommy John guys, right? I mean, Verlander had to have... Well, Verlander's in Tommy now, John now, but, but he's but also 39, Traditionally, maybe? none of them are Tommy John guys. So that could just be the, the increase in the health and wealth side of things in baseball particularly you're seeing far fewer of those guys that you look at and you're like he's a professional baseball player so that's good for the sport so Andrew got a question for you what do you know about cricket huh yeah cricket the, the game that's your favorite sport the you baseball mean it's, it's is not based the on things that I catch and put on a fishing hook and no it's the, it's the flat bat and the overhand toss game you know that oh, one where they that. run between those wickets, but it's it's not called wicket because of the wickets. It's called cricket, but they're wickets. And and you'll never find it in America. But I'll tell you, my friend Charles <clears throat> loves cricket. So here you go, Charles. Here's a little bit of information for you on cricket in comparison to the rest of the national world. Actually, cricket is a massively valuable game. It's because it's from a part of the world that is even further around from from us in terms of our interest in maybe some European sports like soccer and stuff. Cricket is huge in Europe, particularly in England, uh, France as well, but it's really huge in India and Pacific Islands and areas like that and the Caribbean as well. So it it is funded, and by and large, and with a lot of these massive Indian corporations that are able to to throw a ton of money at it, and that's why when you're looking at cricket, the highest paid cricket athletes out there in terms of average per league is actually in the Indian Super League, and they're bringing in around 4.33 million in the Indian Premier League alone. Generally, the highest paid players elsewhere and other parts of the world are averaging about two million a year. Like, say, if you're looking at the British top-level premier kind of premier league equivalent cricket league, they're averaging about $2 million. And in terms of 2017 money, that's about as up-to-date as we've got on that. Sorry, cricket fans. I'm sure we have many of those out there. The, the most valuable cricket player is making about 20 times more than the rest of the league. So there is some disparity. I just don't exactly know where that money is is focused. Like, is it in someone that's a really talented hurler or a batsman or whatever? I guess so. But that's the, that's the real difference there. And in terms of international money, they have an inter- interesting relationship because of the, the cricket circuit is so popular in terms of the international 
international play like India versus England, and they play so often, these clubs have actually had to figure out ways to allow them to continue to go out. So they've incentivized playing internationally by allowing players to make around a million bucks for playing for the national team out of the year. So they're still allowed to go out and do that, but they're not being almost penalized for it. So if you're interested in getting into some cricket, we're not exactly hugely educated, let's say, about cricket. It's kind of like rugby. I just... It looks fun, but I just don't understand it. It looks really fun, and it it actually seems to be run incentivized, but I'm just not, I still need to watch a little bit more cricket to to fully grasp it. But the the franchises, the teams out there are always in the top 10 as well of most valuable sports franchises as well, if you look into that. That's an incredible list, which we're not really covering today, but uh, cricket once again crops up there, so there's definitely a lot of good money in it if you're from the right part of the world to play it. And so the last one we have to talk about, the one we've left off the list purposely, is basketball. And because basketball is, large in part, the, the highest paid athletes per year. And it doesn't necessarily mean they've made the most money or anything like that, but the average salary for the top tier is going to be between $7.4 and $7.7 million. That's a lot of money, and it's because of these Supermax contracts that have oh, been yeah. handed out to players like Giannis and LeBron and, and Kevin Durant and so on and so forth. Yeah. And they definitely skew that average a bit, but it's still, you know, it's still pretty... These teams pretty are annoying. also much smaller. Uh-huh. You only carry 11, 12 players on your, your NBA roster, sometimes, well, I guess up to 14, and then you have your, your G League, which still only has another 14 to 20 players down there. And so there's more money to go around to mm-hmm. to less players. The bigger difference here is there's guaranteed contracts, much, much like there is in baseball. And so the difference, though, is in baseball, you had the long years, the long, long-term contracts. Football, you're starting to see, at least for the younger quarterback talent, longer contracts. Basketball, you don't see more than five years. That's kind of no. the maximum allowed. And it's because they have a hard cap on their salary. Right, and, right. and we'll discuss that a little bit more. Player power has been a very important thing in the NBA's rebirth. I think if you were trying to to watch a, a league, I think that a lot of people were very bored with the NBA after the departure of Michael Jordan. But really, if, if you track the history of the sport and its development and its, its growth, it's probably the most player-centric league in terms of protecting the players and making sure that they are able to to get that guaranteed money. Their as stance on to, social rights. As opposed to the NFL being more likely to deny you some of that guaranteed money, uh, having the shorter contracts which allow players the ability to move and select who they want to play with and, and make the money that they want to make as opposed to making the money that they are trying to make it as, as best as they can. And in general, I think that's that's pretty good for the overall health of it. And, and currently right now, we're seeing guys like Giannis, like you said, and Russell Westbrook, Rudy Gobert, and, and Steph Curry, as well as AD being the big money guys right now, which is cool too because none of them are really in the twilight of their careers either. I mean, these guys are all still pretty pretty firmly in their peak. Yeah, I mean, we are in a transition, though. A lot of these guys are in their early 30s, so we're going to start seeing a new kind of generation of basketball Wait, take you, over. You're telling us that we're old? You're saying that we I'm are, old? yes, no, unfortunately. No, no. From no. from a basketball perspective, not golf. Yes, we are. Steph old. Curry's got another ten years. It's okay. I hope so. Now, when you're you're breaking it down a little bit more annually, the you have Steph Curry leading the way with forty three million, Russell Westbrook with forty one point three, Chris Paul was one that I was surprised to see up there. It looks like Phoenix decided to pay him a lot, and it's paying him off well yeah. because they're in in the number one spot in the West. No one saw that coming. Yeah, everybody said he was chasing money. Right. Yeah. James, James Harden's out there with 41.2 in the super team that's still waiting to sign Aaron Rodgers. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then, and then, unfortunately, this this name on the list, the last one, the fifth highest, is John Wall. And I, I just hate it because that man just can't stay healthy. He's an incredible basketball player, but he just—he's one of those guys that makes money and then doesn't have to play. At least he's getting paid, though. He I mean, is getting paid he, now. Highest grossing for 2021. Now, this is where you really start seeing endorsements because when we've talked about with the NCAA like and likeness, the people that are more marketable should make more money. That's right. just how life works, especially from the athletic standpoint. And with the endorsements coming in. <clears throat> and, and so you have LeBron, who, of course, is the highest grossing athlete this year. He's bringing in almost $100 million. $64 million of that are endorsements. Yeah. Only 31 and a half are his is his actual salary. So that's that's pretty indicative. Steph Curry's at 74 and a half. That so you saw he's he's got around 30,000 in, in endorsements. Kevin Durant 65 and a half, Russell Westbrook 58, and then James Harden 50 million. So you see in and especially in basketball and football's another one. Baseball not as much, but football and basketball, those endorsements are big time additional revenue yeah. boost for them. Yeah. And not counting, you know, AD or maybe uh, Giannis in there, that's your all-star ballot almost every single year. So that's that's pretty good there for sure. Those guys are just younger. And so I guess the next thing that we need to discuss is it's related to the highest net worth overall. Now this does incorporate post-career endeavors. Right. So, so not just NBA or an even endorsements for that matter. Yeah, so take a guess who's number one, everybody. No duh, Michael Jordan. Uh, $1.6 billion. So he I, had, I think he just came up with this great idea called the Air Jordans. It must be the shoes. It must be the shoes. It must be the shoes. And then uh, number two, a guy that made me look twice is a man named Junior Bridgman, who has made $600 million. Now, of course, that's largely in part because of his post-NBA successes related into... Because he, he, he played 12 years in the sure, NBA, so but, it's you know, a significant number. That's, that's really a nest egg. But you're not going to find him during, you know, in the most paid during his career. No, no that, that's, that's much more related to his, to his success afterwards and, and intelligent in, investment and uh, development of, him, of himself than it is so much his basketball skills. Then you have one of the greatest, uh, Magic Johnson, coming in $600 million again. A big part of that came from his post-NBA success because there just wasn't money being handed out quite so heftily no. back then. Still, quite He still made plenty when he sure. played. But he, he was involved in the largest cash transaction in the history of money when he helped buy the Dodgers. Right. So, so that's and, definitely... And then you have LeBron, who is a current player at $500 million throughout his career. And again, this does do his current earnings plus endorsements. Now, here's the thing, though. LeBron is the highest paid during his career at 343. Sure. That's just the standard. Yeah, That's that the money sense. he's brought in on his on his play. And then after that, you don't see really anybody except for Chris Paul on this list that are current players. So that's pretty indicative that the NBA is transitioning to where yeah. some of these newer players might end up on this list, but it's still older, older cats on there. It's also interesting that the top three being LeBron, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant all were straight out of high school. And they were all Fords. You know, well, they're, they're not. Kobe was like a guard forward. I He's guess. kind of he was technically a shooting guard, but he was he was He's, the size. I, of the I forward. consider him a small. Forward. He was the, he played forward late in his career basically because he couldn't run anymore. But R.I.P. Kobe, we love you. And then uh, then you've got CP3. Yeah, uh, he he comes in on fourth at two hundred ninety nine million. Uh, definitely helped that he got the contract he did in Phoenix. And then old Shaq, he liked that barbecue chicken out there. Well, and he also sells those great shoes from Walmart. So $206 million for him. And yeah. those are the top five just most paid during their career. So that's quite a bit of money when you think about oh, yeah. the sports that we're seeing. But 
Think about this, again, comparison from baseball to basketball. LeBron, just in career earnings, has made $343 million. That's not even what Mike Trout's contract is. Right, right, yeah. So it, it's definitely a pretty big disparity. So now let's kind of start putting it all together. But before we before we start comparing and contrasting these different sports directly, let's go into how the, the, the some of the stuff that we've kind of hinted at in a little bit of our conversation, which is sort of the way that, that payment is structured in all of these different leagues. And let's compare and contrast that first. So maybe we can then at the end of that pick what what style of payment we would prefer as an athlete in comparison to these different styles. So so really the the first thing that we need to begin is the difference between these contracts. So let's begin with the concept of the boilerplate. In terms of simple simple terms here, this is the the way that the way that payment is structured through a collective bargaining agreement. And it entails all the rules and regulations that are put into and behind a contract. So it's basically like the you know the the small print at the bottom of these contracts is is basically controlling how you're being paid. So each of these different leagues have a bo- a boilerplate clause in their contracts that defines how this is being done. So the first one that's usually a, an object of this kind of boilerplate sheet of paper on the back of your contract is the salary cap concept. And that's a big part of all of the, the, the major sports that we're seeing in the country. So some have a hard cap like the NFL and the NHL, and some have more of a soft cap like what we see in the NBA. So let's let's discuss that a little bit. So what is a what is a hard cap in the in the NFL and the NHL? What is what does that mean? I mean, simply put, you just can't go over it. They don't allow it. They will not let you. There's no way There's no to penalty. Get There's no penalty because you just can't do it. Now it doesn't mean that you have to actually spend that amount but it's pretty cut and dry, pretty black and white. You just can't do it, which varies from the the NBA, which is more of a soft cap. So there is a salary cap, but they can't exceed it. the The players have to meet certain criteria. So based on if they're on two way contract, two way contracts, if they're on a ten day contract, so on and so forth. It's also based on per year too. So if they do, if a team does go over the salary cap. They are allowed to pay a luxury tax, which isn't awful. Now, you have Golden State right now who's in that luxury tax uh, area, which kind of stinks because Clay's not even playing, and he's part of that. Right. But the difference here is you're going to see it in baseball. It's only a dollar and a half only. It's a dollar and a half in tax for every dollar spent. So if you think about $45 million over, that'd yeah. be a, quite a bit of money, but it's about 50% of the threshold. And yeah. so when you go to the MLB, that's when you see no cap. The the difference is being no cap, there's still a level in which they're allowed to spend quote unquote because they can get taxed, but it's based on a competitive balance. And so they have more of a here's what you should spend to kind of keep things even if you choose to go over that's fine. We're just going to tax the hell out of you okay. significantly. So, so that's how they address the whole market size issue. Right. right. Where then the Yankees can go out and buy whoever they want or the Dodgers, but you're going to have to pay a tax into the league, right? It just it just becomes the league's money. Right. Way. Whereas the NBA, it's a dollar and a half for every tax dollar spent. Sure. The, in, uh, the MLB is 50% of that money over you're spending that on a tax and then if you go over again they increase that again and then they start adding in more penalties 
And so that's so why like, you see teams it's like tiered. Right. And okay. so that's why you see teams like Boston who shed all of that payroll and David Price. They got rid of Mookie, unfortunately for them. You know, so they had to they wanted to get underneath the luxury tax so it reset and then they could start over if they have to pay it again next year, whatever. The Mariners but they wanted like to reset that, it. Right? Yeah. The, the so Mariners will like put together a great team, go out and try and win something, win it or not, and then blow it all up and start over. And then you have professional soccer where they can spend money however they want. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. really matter. There's no true penalty. They're supposed to, but they're they supposed just don't. to be. They've got the financial fair play rules in place for UEFA, which is basically that you're not supposed to be spending more than your club makes. Is the is the general concept? We, but we've learned that on FIFA. Yeah. yeah well, well, yeah. FIFA and and uh, Chelsea being penalized for it a couple times. Uh, but basically, what your what your goal is is spend the money that you make, and your owners, which is what used to happen, the owners can't just throw their own money. At uh, at the the club and make things happen, which is how where Chelsea came from as a club. Manchester City as well. They had these super rich owners. They come in, they spend not the club's earnings, but they spend their own earnings from their own personal endeavors to fuel the funding of the club. And now they're not supposed to do that as much. Does it actually happen? Not really. So that's that's in terms of our, our general. The, the boilerplate concept in terms of cap and trying to limit salary. If I had to choose in terms of me being on a, on a club or on a team, I would probably prefer the no-cap system. Oh, absolutely. Because you, you mean tell me I can make as much money as I want based and, on my play? And sure, stay man. or leave whenever I want right. as opposed to, say, the NHL and the NFL when when the, the Steelers are going to be a very different looking team. You're going to have to spend some time if you're a Steelers fan familiarizing yourself with this lineup coming up for next year because we bumped up against that cap and had to get rid of a lot of people that were pretty familiar names in terms of the lineup, and that's just the way these teams go. So that means a person who loved playing for the Steelers, who would have played for them for the rest of their lives, now has to pick up and move to another team, not by choice or even by the fact that they they wanted to get paid more. It's just that the money that you're getting paid isn't sustainable for the club under the the rules of the league. So I would much prefer the no cap. And then the last thing, you have guaranteed cash. So the NFL doesn't guarantee anything except for to certain players that have been vested so they've been there for four years or more they'll be at least guaranteed that full annual salary but if Patrick Mahomes you know breaks his leg and he never comes back the same they can cut him and he's not guaranteed really much of any of that contract which stinks to think about but that that comes with the inherent risk of playing football now NHL, NBA, MLB, they typically offer guaranteed contracts, and so the only re- only way that they don't really get out of that contract, or, or they get out of that contract, I should say, is if if they they get cut or they violate team rules. Those are sure. kind of the only two ways. Baseball, of course, easily ranks as the highest guaranteed contracts through the length, hence why you have the International Bobby Bonilla Day, and he's going to be getting paid even past when Mike Trout's still done playing baseball. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's not really much to compare and contrast in that. Sure, the NFL players do have the ability to negotiate if you're an important player, if you're a quarterback mainly, or and that's pretty much all that the only players that do. And there's a lot of signing bonuses in the NFL. But, I mean, there, there's no argument to be made about guaranteed cash. In this situation, it's definitely going to be NHL, NBA, and MLB that are, that are the ones. Uh, in the Premier League, the way that – or in professional soccer, for example, in terms of quote-unquote guaranteed money, you're pretty much always guaranteed your money. 
and 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 you there's is fully guaranteed in terms of signing the contract. So uh, what often happens is that a, a player will move to a new club and their previous contract is being purchased by the new club. So you continue making the same money that you're making, unless a part of it is that you want to rework your contract a little bit and change something, or maybe if you want to move to a new club and and make a little bit less to be able to to fit into the team and, and be a team player, you can do that as well. But theirs are almost fully guaranteed as well. So. All right, so that's a comparison and a, and a little bit of a, a contrasting bit of how these different leagues make money and how they pay out. So let's get into the the final the final bit here, and that's going to be the ranking of who's making the most money out there. And we'll try and make particular note when we're done with this to come back in and point out the different uh, leagues and, and sports that we're that they're playing in in this ranking. Uh, who's number one? Who we got? So. Like I was saying earlier, I, I thought it was low. That was the average for the for his entire contract. But Dak Prescott, I, I thought so. He got front loaded heavily, and he's getting seventy five million in his yeah. deal. So the average was forty. But so Dak comes in at the high paid highest paid athlete this year. Yeah. Then you've got a driver, interestingly enough, in Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Um. So a racer there. You have Steph Curry. So he's coming in behind with that forty five and a half. Uh, James Harden's up there, and John Wall, which, again, shame that he's you know injured. Yeah, so that's out of that list, then in terms of annually right now, we're seeing we're seeing three basketball players on there from the NBA, so good job and on the NBA. one really ill-advised one, NFL contract. One, one ill-advised NFL contract at the most valuable franchise in the world, the, the Dallas Cowboys, despite the fact that they have a hard cap limit. Apparently, Jerry Jones doesn't care. And then uh, Lewis Hamilton, who, who uh, that, that might seem an odd one out for you guys, but if you look in any of the GP stuff, if, if, you're, if you're talking open wheel racing, Lewis Hamilton is the most dominant athlete in the world and is definitely up there and should be making Tiger level money if they're, you know, in terms of individual sports, uh, which is also another thing. He's the only individual sport athlete in that list. So that, that looks like we're saying if you want to be a mediocre quarterback at, a, at the biggest franchise in the sport, you're definitely you're set. You're set. So that's, a, that's an achievable goal for many of you out there because many people could be as good as Dak Prescott. And then also maybe go and play some basketball and hope that you hope you have incredible hand-eye coordination and depth perception like all of the guys on this list. Um, or maybe get hurt picking a package up from the front door and get paid $44 million the next year. Okay, so biggest contracts of all time. This is this is a, a final, final comparison that we're going to make. So biggest contract of all time. Some of you might be surprised. Most of you probably won't are soccer fans. Lionel Messi, who has pulled in $673.9 million in his in just contracts alone all time. Patrick Mahomes up next with $503 million. Mike Trout with $426.5 million. And then Canelo Alvarez and a Mookie boxer. Betts. Yeah, so a boxer. Canelo Alvarez, Alvarez and uh, Mookie Betts coming in at a tie of around $365 million. So that's actually incredible diversity and good on the baseball players there. we got two baseball players, a football player, a dribbler, a soccer player, and then a boxer. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. So in conclusion, I mean, there's a lot of money out there if you can make that top tier. So it's kind of hard to tell which one, though, is best. And if you had a child that should go one of these pathways or you really think that they can, they have what it takes, mind you, it's not easy. No. One thing's for certain, no matter the pathway, it you're going to have to work hard for it. And so it seems that you can be a star caliber quarterback to your point in the NFL mm-hmm. and you'll be one of the highest paid players because that's the, the team pays that player the most yeah. 95% of the time. 
but you better stay healthy and you better fall in line with the hundreds of NFL athletes who, you know, you don't want to fall in line with those that go broke no. shortly after their career. I think it was two Manage years after their career, most of them go bankrupt. Yeah. Manage that money. Expect that contract to end well before it ends. The NBA seems to be the one that you go to if you want the most guaranteed yearly salary. Again, still not the highest. Soccer's also up there, a lot of guaranteed money out there. But the MLB seems to be the one that has the lowest limits on what owners can do. It allows for the biggest contracts in terms of length and setup lifetime type money. But I think if you want to be the the best, I mean, uh, Lionel Messi just showed us you want to be the best soccer player in the world. Yeah, yeah, that would that would definitely be the truth there. And of course, you know, take into account uh, what God gave you. If you're five foot six and can run a four two forty, maybe you should play basketball, football, or soccer or baseball. If you're six foot six and three hundred three hundred pounds, you should probably play football. If your if your ability to jump is somewhere in the range of forty inches, maybe basketball's for you, especially if you're six feet tall or taller. But our <laughs> message to you parents out there, since this was a public service announcement brought to you in part by dropping the ball, make sure your kids play all sports. Don't 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 force them to do one sport their whole lives. If they're good at something and they're yeah. good enough, if you look at the best athletes in the world, take Patrick Mahomes, yeah. for example, you got to be good at all of them. You can't just be good sure. at one. So don't inhibit them by making them stick to one. And let them play what they want to play. You know, if, 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 if they're a little bitty tiny tyke out there wanting to play some basketball, they'll figure it out real quick that it's Muggsy not for Bugs them. Muggsy Bogues did fine. <laughs> they'll figure it out that it's not for them. Let them play the sports that they want to play. And uh, fortunately, man, I'm looking forward to, to watching some watching some some sports, both from the, the little kids running around out there all the way up to our professionals as we continue to get out of the, the haze of COVID and back to, back to normalcy. Absolutely. Well, you guys, we have a few things coming up. We're looking to expand and and get a little bit more content out to you guys. You'll be hearing some solo episodes throughout the month, along with our topical episodes where we do these together, just to give you guys more things and a little bit more current stuff going on to keep up with us and in the sports world. Make sure you find us at Dropping the Ball group page, also hosted by Ladoru LLC's Facebook page. These are both on Facebook. You have us at Dropping the Ball underscore the ball no g twitter and then you can email us at dropping the ball pod at gmail.com make sure you tune in give us five stars share it like it comment tell us what you love about it tell us what you want to hear from us and most importantly stay safe until we talk to you next time absolutely keep an eye out for our individual episodes we're not breaking up we're breaking out peace out you guys <laughs>